Hey everybody, on this edition of Guys Talking Sports, uh, Shannon Holloway gets a new job. Um, the Final Four is set, and Bruce Arians is moving on up to the uh, front office. No more coaching. That is some funny stuff. So this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports, where we are here once again on another Thursday night uh, to talk jokes, talk shit, crack jokes, and this is definitely going to be a show where if you crack jokes, you're not going to get smacked, so, because we can't get to anybody. So, before we get to all that, I want to say shout outs to my boys Ace and Al. Um, fellas, how are you doing tonight? Uh, wow. <laughs> So you say nobody can't get smacked. <laughs> you can't touch me. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> I, 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 that has to be the most. <laughs> I mean, with everything that's going on, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm just ready to get started. What a great way to, to open it up, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and as always, we like I said, we always talk shit and crack jokes. Um, so let's get right into it. There's a lot going on this week. Um, Sean Holloway uh, jumps ship and goes to Seton Hall. Um, Bruce Arians moves up the, is moving on up to the front office, and the final four is uh, set. So let's get right into it. Um, let's talk about um, Mr. Holloway, um, the former coach of the St. of St. Peter's, um, Shannon Holloway is now going back to his alma mater, Seton Hall, where he did play and did get them to, I believe the, uh, was it a sweet 16 or the elite eight, um, some years ago, but he has decided to sign on, was it a five year or a six year contract with Seton Hall become their coach. And so now he's quote unquote back home after, uh, making a magical run uh with st peter's so fellas i just want to get your opinion do you think this was a good hire bad hire or doesn't really matter well, I, I i think it was good i mean coming back where he started it's, it's obvious that he played his dues he was an assistant coach at Seton hall then did his work at st peter's um they had a magical run kind of sad that, you know, it kind of ended the way they did, but they just ran into a hot North Carolina team, so you got to give him his props. Um, had a young, gritty, hungry team that just wasn't settling for nothing other than just playing great. So when you have a when you have a head coach like that who can come in there and take players who aren't necessarily the tallest or the biggest or the fastest and you could put them up against anybody in the country, and they can they can knock down shots and play fundamental defense and sound offense and win. Just get, what do you think he could do at Seton Hall with a budget that's probably four or five times bigger than Seton, uh, St. Peter's budget for uh, for basketball? You know, so I think it was an excellent hire. It was no it was a no brainer, um, and I'm really looking forward to see how his his career projects. From that point on, because he may look at Seton Hall as like a dream school, but depending on how he does at Seton Hall, could propel him to something even bigger. Not to say that Seton Hall is any slouch of a, a coaching job. 
You know what I mean? Because Seton Hall's been to a Final Four before. So just a matter of if he's comfortable and letting this be his his school that he wants to be at or he wants to put in his five years, see where it goes and see where he wants to take them. But kudos. You know, I think it's great. And then it's my understanding that one of the assistant coaches from Rutgers, um, and I want to say it's uh, – I can't think of his name right now. But he played uh, – he's from East Orange. He played high school ball in East Orange. And I forget where he went to college, but now he's turned around and being looked at as being St. Peter's new coach. So I love how St. Peter's is just really kind of concentrating and taking local guys who've been successful at big schools, went on to the NBA, and has come back home and trying to breed them that way. So it, it kind of keeps that local flair, uh, that local flair and that local love. So I think that if they hire this kid from, um, from Rutgers, I think St. Peter's is going to be in, uh, in good hands. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> I agree. It was a greater hire um, for Mr. Holloway and Seton Hall. Um, to be honest, um, I thought that it was commendable what they did. Not only that, for also having the St. Peter's basketball team come um, while he was being introduced as the head coach for Seton Hall and Seton Hall showing the St. Peter's basketball team love. See, like stuff like that is what makes things so like a good feel moment um, because <clears throat> they're showing love. You know, people could have, they could have just not shown up or could have been upset about how things were. But I think the fact that everyone was in togetherness and um, gave credit where credit was due while during this press conference, I thought it was very commendable, not just for Seton Hall, but for St. Peter's as well. And so I think that overall, um, this was a great hire. Um, Seton Hall can, and, and with his pedigree of, he could convince local talent, like he said, like in the New York, New Jersey, um, the metropolitan area to stay home and build from that program up. And if you, if, Seton Hall was able to do the unthinkable and build it up and be successful, then I think that that will help propel people. The problem with so many um, recruits nowadays is that so many talented um, basketball players or athletes, student athletes, are being taken away from um, New York and New Jersey regions and going to other states. Mm -hmm. So if he has the pedigree to keep them homegrown, whether it's Seton Hall, whether it's Rutgers, um, even from the New York side, whether it's St. John's or um, somebody keeping it like homegrown um, and they have the ability to be successful, this could be a start of something big going down the road. Because let's be honest, like back in the day, we used to see like Seton Hall. We used to have um, St. John's. We used to have some of these other teams that's in the area be successful in their college basketball programs. And to be honest, they, they kind of need that back. Uh, mm -hmm. So if this is a good stepping stone for, because let's be honest, we ain't even talk about Seton Hall when it comes to basketball until now. So I think overall, this is a great hire. Um, and if he can utilize his recruitment talents and be su successful in coaching, um, the sky's the limit for Seton Hall. Yeah, great hire for um, for, for Seton Hall. He uh, he definitely, like you said, it. Um, I said he's paid his dues um and he put st peter's on the map um it was a great run um but yeah it looked like when they played north carolina like north carolina didn't want to be another uh didn't want to be another highlight on their uh <laughs> cinderella run exactly i was watching that game on sunday and i could tell within the first 
five, three to five minutes, you know, I was watching my dad. I was like, this game is over. And he was, my dad was like, no, it's not. I said, it's over. <laughs> and then we got to this end of the first half. I was like, it's over, period. <laughs> Even I was doubting you when you said that. Because <laughs> you could just tell. Because St. Peter's, you know, when I watched their last couple of games, especially the last two games, um, they had so much energy and there was, you know, there were, their physicality what um, was kind of was um, was putting them over the top of the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. North Carolina came in there and they just hit them with a serious two piece. And it was Miss Mac. <laughs> And then after that, they just looked like they never got their 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 legs underneath them after the first like three to four minutes. And after that, you could just tell it was like it was like North Carolina was definitely on a mission that game. And they looked like they wanted to bury St. Peter's by the end of the first half. And they basically just did that. You know what I find interesting? How Holloway had those players playing really, really smart, really disciplined tough-nosed basketball. And what's crazy, and Charles Barkley said it best when you listen to him and how you describe St. Peter's, he's like those little boys. And what's crazy is if those little boys were maybe an inch or two taller, maybe uh, a tenth or two faster, they wouldn't be at St. Peter's right now. They'd probably be at Rutgers. They'd probably be at Seton Hall. They'd be at Syracuse and St. John's. But it's because they just lack maybe they don't lack the heart, they don't lack the discipline, nor do they lack the skills. It's just that they just just like in football, you know, it's just very much capable of playing at the highest levels, just you're not tall enough. Or you're just a hair bit slow. And it just goes to show that these kids just went out there and say, Hey, and all those other kids that are out there and they're saying they want those big, you know, they want to play for North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, and their local. D1 squads, but you know what? Don't be discouraged because you can go to a school like St. Peter's or you can go to a school like Manhattan or or Ryder or all those other little schools around there that still got opportunities to make it to the, to the tournament. And you can put up noise and then you see what you can do. And then you open up those eyes because I guarantee you, at least, the, at least that starting five or if nothing else, all of St. Peter's backcourt will be playing pro somewhere. They may not be in the league. I think some of them will get a shot in the G League, but they'll definitely be overseas playing ball. So it just goes to show that Holloway just recognized that he got some really talented kids, and they just put it all out there in the court every game during the tournament. And I and, and North Carolina did punch him in the mouth a couple of times and said, nah, you ain't going to make us look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just what happened. I guess, you know, North Carolina, because North Carolina is not that great, but they just have better overall athletes. Uh, I wouldn't say that they're, I think they're, to be honest, I kind of think that they are at an average clip right now, above average clip. Because but not from I, North Carolina standards, though. It, okay, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Um, I do believe that um, the motivation was there for them. Like you said, they, didn't, they did not want to get punched in the mouth. But I, I also believe that they also wanted to play the um, that they wanted to play Duke again. Um, I think that that's really what they had enough motivation basically to get it done. And I think it was a lot more motivation than anything for than St. Peter's. I think St. Peter's was enjoying the ride at this point. And Smooth said it best. 
the past couple of games, it just seems as though that the momentum was starting to die down a little bit, bit by bit. Um, and UNC came in and did what they were supposed to do. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of looking forward to, um, first of all, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in Seton Hall um, because now everybody's going to be watching. And off of the hire alone is enough to get Seton Hall back in the map. But he has to show and prove there as well. Um, so I, I want to see him succeed in Seton Hall. So let me ask this question. So we do see that in in in, in this um, you know version of March Madness, a lot of number one seeds um, took took early L's, um, and with all the you know the much more level playing field with the one and done, the transfer portal, you know, going on. Do you guys foresee uh, more tournaments where? "Quote unquote number one seeds don't make it to the elite eight or the final four." Um, I think with, I think with the NIL, I think with the transfer portal, and I think when you have schools that have players who stay at the mid majors. I think this is something that's going to become more of an instance, unless the NCAA reels it in somehow or some way and makes it so that uh, the transfer reporter and the NIL can't be like hand in hand and make the rich, you know, uh, remain richer because you got these kids out here that are, I'm not even talking football, you know, just on a basketball standpoint. Like for example, I can't think of the kid's name right now, but he was a first team all big 12 player at Kansas State, averaging damn near 18 points a game, so many assists they can't, you know, at Kansas State, and he's in the transfer portal. Why? You enjoyed a pretty good season. Granted, it could have been better. But why, if you're first team all-conference, all do you feel the need that you should have to go out there and transfer? I mean, uh, so I don't know. Uh I, I think that if this was ever a year that uh, a smaller school could have could have made it through, this was the year. But um, I don't know. The Blue Buds in basketball are always going to be the Blue Buds, you know, because everybody always wants to go to the select school. So it, now I'm just thinking that some of those kids who thought they were good enough to go to a Blue Blood didn't make it and are starring now at their respective Power Five conference school recognize that I'm the best in my conference. Now I want to turn around and go to a, another blue blood. So I just think it's going to be is what it is. But then it comes down to chemistry. You know, you can see from a from a Calipari standpoint, you know, he was doing well in the beginning with Kentucky, but didn't. it ain't like that now. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I think it's going to be, and I said this before, and my goal, I mean, my dream, I should say, um, is it for the NCAA to be a lot more balanced, um, where even though you're ranked as number one, doesn't mean that you're solidified as the number one dominant team. Um, I do wish, I do believe that in the future, it's going to be more balanced teams out there or better coaches, similar to what St. Peter's did. So I think that there's going to be a lot more colleges that's going to, um, upset 
the number one. Um, hopefully, that happens soon because I, I love the upset. But in actuality, what it remains to be seen is the fact that these powerhouses, um, they, they change for a reason. There is not really one particular powerhouse that's been consistent for years and years and years um, at this stage, at least from like the era when Duke was consistently one of the top schools with North Carolina, um, I believe UCLA, um, for example. Um, but now there's so many different, like Arbor, like you would never seen, thought that Arbor would be number one. You never thought that um, some of these other schools are in the conferences. You never thought that Gonzaga, Gonzaga is always going to be a top program, but you know, these schools that are coming up in the ranks and been ranked number one, um, it's so improved. It's a lot of different schools out there that have a great chance of winning, no matter what, uh, no matter how they're ranked. Uh, so any given Sunday, any team, which is good about March Madness, because any given team can beat a number one. So it doesn't really solidify the best team in the country. So it's all about what you do in a tournament, bottom line. Um, and that's what makes the March Madness what it is, March Madness, because no one is solidified or guaranteed to win a championship. You all have to be at your best game every game that you play. This is not the best of four series or anything. And all it takes is one game for the top team to lose. So I think overall that that is something that a lot of people like enjoy. Um, I know I would. And I will always root for the underdog. That's just how I am. So I think that overall, I'm looking for the underdogs to be um, more advanced than where they are, just like St. Peter's were in this in this tournament. There's one thing you can you can definitely say about this season. It's definitely been a, a very um, interesting <laughs> tournament to say when you only got one um, number one team in the final four, and some of your number ones didn't even make it out to Sweet 16. So, exactly. so uh, I agree with you, Ace, with, with NIL, Transfer Portal, all that stuff going on. I mean, you already saw the shift from those perennial powerhouses when you started getting the one and dones, but it wasn't a – it was a very slow progression. And all the – you know, the Blue Bloods were trying to copy what, you know, Cal Perry did with Kentucky and trying to hop on the same bandwagon. Now, the Transfer Portal, NIL, it throws – everything up in the year. So now coaches can't just get a player and then he just sits there and just, you know, rise to pine. If he thinks he can go someplace else, even if he gets some time, he just hopped in the transfer portal. Now what I think they're going to do, they might try to put some, you know, guardrails against the transfer portal saying that if you transfer, then you can't transfer again for another year or two or something. I can see something like that coming to kind of, saying a player can go from one college transfer to another college transfer to another college, I can see them trying to put some guardrails and saying you transfer once and you got to sit there for a year or two or redshirt, something like that. Mm -hmm. I can definitely see them tweaking it. But you, but you know what I do find interesting? I know you mentioned Auburn and Arkansas and all this type of stuff. You know what it is? And I heard this on, I don't know if I know if I heard it on Sirius XM or some sports radio, but the SEC is now starting to put money and rooted interest into basketball. 
it always used to be the SEC was all about football, but now it seems like they're trying to put interest and money poured into basketball now. And that's why you're seeing an influx in talent come SEC for basketball. But when it comes down to the overall, when it gets to the tournament, it's it's still the same old mixed bag where the SEC is just your typical SEC when it comes to the tournament, but it's just not that, you know, they're pretty good during the regular season and in their conference, but when they get outside of their conference or, you know, in that realm, they're just not that good. So I think as other conferences start to realize that they need to really invest into what it is exactly they're trying to bring to the forefront, I think you'll start seeing better results. Case in point, switching gears a little bit, Jackson State. I don't know if you guys saw the, the message I saw I posted earlier, but Dion is really building up Jackson State from a from infrastructure standpoint as far as he's trying to match locker rooms and facilities and different things that other upper echelon D1 schools would offer these kids. And it's just a matter of time that other black, you know, HBCUs, if given the opportunity, if given the right coach, and if the right people are in place and the right money is being invested, you start seeing some of these other schools start building themselves up too. So I'm thinking this is starting what to happen with SEC basketball and, and things like that. That's why you're starting to see this catch up. Mm-hmm. Where the you know the, the the D1s like Kansas, Kansas is all right, but they ain't great. True. You know, UCLA is decent, but they're not great. They're, I don't think that the the days of a totally dominant college basketball team, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for SEC basketball, I mean, shoot, SEC football got got money to burn. Sure, they can. Uh, they can they can cut off a couple of mil to the basketball program to prop them up. So, oh, yeah. I mean, but but you said the most important thing is as far as with you know, HBCUs and with the Antonio Jackson State money to build those facilities to attract those players. You can have the best coach. You can have all the historical out the wazoo, but it all comes down to money and being able to build those multi million dollar facilities to attract those players. So, but real quick, before we switch off for college, college basketball, we do have the final four, uh, Villanova against um, Kansas and Duke against UNC, which I wasn't aware of until um, a couple of days ago that they, and correct me if I'm wrong, never met in the uh, March Madness before. This, yeah, this is the highest that they, the highest that these two teams have met. Highest gotcha. Okay. No, it's my understanding they never met in the tournament before. Oh, really? No, this is the first time they've ever met in the tournament. Oh, I know that they mentioned that it was one of the high. This is the, the absolute highest rank that they have met. But I mean, okay, I I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, this is the highest. I mean, it, it just happens to be the final four, but they've never they've never crossed paths in the tournament, and I think that the. Uh, the folks who do the tournament seedings make it so that they wouldn't cross paths at all, you know. So it worked well until now. <laughs> so, so predictions for the um, for for the final four. Who do you guys got? 
Who do I want to see? Oh, God. I hate Kansas. Uh, so if I just said, you know, based off of my love-hate, Villanova, Duke. Um, but if I had to go with best money or whatever, and I'm still not a better, um, probably Kansas, Kansas Duke. I just don't think I think this some this Cinderella aspect as far as Coach K is gonna end, I think, the way that Duke would want it to end, where Coach K tears, you know, cuts down the nets and goes off and rides into the sunset and everybody's happy. Unfortunately, I I just see it that way. <laughs> You said you do or don't? I do. So I final four, Kansas versus Kansas beats Villanova, Duke over UNC, Duke over Kansas, Duke wins the national championship. Mm. As much as I hate to say it, but I'm in agreement with you. And as much as I'm not a Duke fan, <laughs> I can honestly see that happening. Um I think that Coach K is going to get his 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 true send off the way that he wants to, especially after him being emotional from when the last time that they lost that mm -hmm. game. So I I have a feeling that Duke I think the I think Duke is going to do what needs to be done, um, and send him off right. Yep. I don't really I'm not rooting for it. I'm actually not rooting for that to happen, but I can see it happening. Yeah, I I agree. I'm gonna just tweak. I think it's actually gonna be Duke and Villanova um, winning in the in the championship. Um, I think Duke beats UNC in a thriller. Um, probably the if not the best game out of the Final Four. I have a feeling it might be the best game out of the entire tournament. I can see that. Better than some of the St. Peter's games because St. Peter's has some good games. Yeah. <laughs> All because of you know, the teams, the history, and what's on the line. Um, and I'm, and, I, and I've never been a big Duke fan, but I think I've kind of lightened up on Duke over the last couple of years. The Christian Leitner years have started to to, 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 to die away. So yeah. I'm, not as, I'm not as hateful as I used to be on Duke. Still hate him a little bit, but I'm not as hateful. But, but Coach K, you know, I'm with you, I think, I have a feeling it might end in the championship game, but I think he's going to at least get to the championship game. That's but I can definitely, I, I think it's going to be Villanova winning at all, but it would not shock me if, um, if uh, Coach K gets his, you know, his ride off of his ride off into the sunset, his Michael Jordan, you know, last shot at the game, you know. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. I, to be honest, that's I never. I, I what that would be a perfect way to send off um, if Villanova can pull it off because that'll transition to Jay the Jay Wright era, so to speak. So if that was to be honest, I, I would prefer that more so than Kansas. Um, so I'm going to change it. I I, I agree with you. I, I I'm root. No, that, I'm not going to change it. I'm a root for Villanova and Duke. In the championship. Oh, oh, I definitely would love to see Villanova win it. But I, I'd be remiss 
to um, to root against a Big Twelve school. Hmm. <laughs> I don't want to. I understand. I understand. I, I would love to pull a Will Smith on Kansas. I would love to. He's <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, I cannot, and I can't go against. I can't go against the conference. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with what I think is the best. But honestly, I would love to see Villanova win it all because they're the least talked about out of all the you know the four squads that are in there right now. That's true. You know, and in the '80s, Villanova was was the shit. You know, the Big East in the '80s and early '90s, you couldn't tell me that Villanova was one of those top schools, but. They kind of just like most schools, kind of just fall off and have those years. Whereas it's real lean, and the coach right now just got them back on the map. So I would love to see Villanova just do what they do, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and, and people, you heard it here. <laughs> uh, and and I know we're not picking um, women's college basketball for anybody but uh, UConn. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Any team but UConn. I don't care who it is. Any team but, but Yes. Who does UConn play in their first game? South Carolina? No, I think it's the other, I think it's the other way around. Did they play Louisville? I must, no, Stanford. Yes. Stanford? Yes. Ooh, I'd love to see Stanford take the, uh, take down UConn. That would be awesome. That would be that'd be going like early, like when Eric uh I forget the coach's name from UConn, but um, like when he first started and he was going against Pat Summit, he couldn't get over that hump. And that's when Stanford was still good back then. Mm-hmm. That's a nice little retro classic rematch going on. I would love to see Stanford get back their uh, their claim to be top top perch again. That'd be, that'd be dope. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and it's weird because I would love. I, I, I. It's just. It's, I never heard so many people talk about a number two seed when the rest are all number ones in my life. South Carolina, Stanford, Louisville, they all deserve that type of credibility, but yet all the talk is always going to be about Connecticut. Like They became, quite frankly, the, the stormtroopers of Star Wars at this moment. Um, I, I it's too much, Connecticut. I'm not rooting for that. There's the bottom line. I mean, the error has to stop some way, shape, or form. And I'm, it's, it's, someone has to beat them. That's all I, I to be honest, anybody that beats them, I'm at a point where I'm just like, I, I would actually be a fan of that team going forward. <laughs> like I said, anybody but UConn. <laughs> yeah, without question. Would you, would you be cool with South Carolina winning another championship? Because you you kind of made up a brought up a good point when you talked about the in the message in our messages where you talked about women's college basketball, how it was just like you know this UConn or whatever. But it seems like there's a cycle of above average or damn near dominant college women's college basketball teams since we were in college to now, and it's always like a handful of them. And I'm thinking UConn is still there. But other schools are catching up. Like I think other schools, other other lady athletes want to go to a, a Louisville, South Carolina, Stanford, 
uh, Baylor, LSU. You know, it's kind of more spread out, and it makes for a little bit more interesting basketball nowadays, more so when this UConn was just running the gambit because all the top players wanted to go there. Yeah, I'm just happy to see that there's other schools out there that these women want to go to and actually play and do well. I completely agree with that. Um, it's like UConn kind of lost its prestige um, because it's not as popular as all of these other schools are at this stage. And to be honest, quite frankly, I think South Carolina is now moving up to that ranks because of the 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 dominance that they're starting to portray now, um, where they could end up starting their own dynasty. Um, and people started looking to go there and other places to just instead of just being UConn all the time. And I think that's really what it boils down to, just to having some more balance in the in the women's um, NCAA um, basketball is, is, is definitely needed because it's refreshing. Yeah, I would like to see – I actually wouldn't mind seeing um, Dawn Stilby, you know, you know, get South Carolina, you know, the chip. I mean, you know. You know, she 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 didn't take it easy on Howard beating them as bad as they got beat. But um, yeah, it's right now it's you kind of still holding on, you know, you know, with the, with the grip of their fingers, <laughs> trying to stay relevant. And they still are. Um, but like you said, it's you know, it's it's almost time, you know, before Tennessee there was Texas Tech. I mean, yeah, those groups, right? And then you had Tennessee, and then you had um, um, then you had um, Notre Dame, and you had um, yeah. Duke, Duke, and then UConn. You know, just kind of came in UConn and Tennessee were going back and forth when UConn was coming up, and even um, uh, yeah, yeah, USC was in there. So yeah, it's it's over the last. 20 years, you know, the top echelon have been maybe a handful of teams that have really been the dominant ones. And um, I think, you know, the women's college basketball benefit greatly because you don't see a lot of girls jumping ship after the first year. And the transfer portal hasn't really hit women's basketball as hard as it has, as it hit men's basketball, at least not yet. I like to see how within the next five or seven years, if the same effect that happens on the basketball, you know, men's basketball side happens with women's basketball side, because you're starting to see a little bit of it now, mm-hmm. but it's not it is not the revolving door like it is on men's basketball. So, I think once that happens, I think you'll probably see somebody like a Gino, probably saying, you know what, I'm gonna retire because he can't deal with what's going on, and he's been just as vocal as Coach K has been, sort of vocal a little bit, but not as vocal. But pretty much Coach K said he was leaving because he didn't want to deal with, you know, all the stuff that's going on now. And quite truthfully, I don't blame him. <laughs> Without, yeah. It's, it's rough out there in that portal, man. <laughs> yeah. So let's switch gears over to um, Fool's Ball. But before I get to the Bruce Arians um, um, deciding to uh, go up to the front office, there has been some talk about Deshaun Watson. We're not going to get to all the issues. We're going to get into the five-year, $230 million guaranteed contract. And the statement that the Ravens has said, um, Ravens owner Bashami has said, being how he's now in negotiations with Lamar Jackson, that he's a little upset and almost kind of said without saying that a lot of owners was upset that um, 
the Cleveland Browns gave Deshaun Watson $230 million guaranteed. And that's making his job with Lamar Jackson <laughs> tougher because Lamar Jackson's going to be like, if they give Deshaun Watson 230 guaranteed over five years, what you going to give me? And I got an MVP. And I ain't got near, not nearly the same kind of drama that he has. And now you think about all the guys who are going to come up behind him. You're going to think about the Joe Burrows, the Justin Herberts, um, all these other, um, you know, um, QBs, these young guns that's coming up. What's going to be the um, the price tag for a young QB now? Is it going to be a a, a quarter of a, a quarter of a bill, <laughs> fully guaranteed? <clears throat> Let me preface this to say, everybody's mad at the the deal that they gave Deshaun Watson because of his situation, blah blah blah. But nobody was pissed where Kirk Cousins almost got that three-year, $100 million contract, guaranteed. <laughs> all, all that they're saying is that Deshaun Watson is a hell of a lot better than Kirk Cousins. And that's facts. <laughs> but nobody's sitting there complaining about the Patrick Mahomes 10-year, half-billion-dollar contract that you know damn well that Kansas City is going to sit there and pay him all his money. They just didn't make it seem like it was guaranteed. But they'd be foolish to sit there and like they're gonna honor his contract. It's just that what Cleve, what Kansas City did was this backload his entire contract. That's all. Versus, and it, and honestly, Deshaun Watson's contract the same way because it's my understanding that Deshaun Watson's contract stipulates this first year he's only gonna make a million dollars. So why are they mad? They they they're mad at the wrong team. In the wrong contract, they should be looking at Kirk Cousins and Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Honestly, Kirk Cousins set this precedent about guaranteed contracts as a quarterback. So don't get mad. Don't get mad at Watson. Don't get mad at Cleveland. Shit, they put the best contract offer on the table. You'd be a fool to sit there and not turn that. Did not accept that. <laughs> I'm going to completely agree with you. Um, at this stage, it's just <clears throat> they really need to just stay focused on the players that they have. And I get that there is a certain level of, um, I guess you could say, certain contracts that quarterbacks have ranked depending on where they stand in the NFL. Um, and it's understandable. But let's be honest here. I mean, Truth be told, some of the contracts that so many people, the players are getting was never worth it anyway, but yet y'all still paid them. Y'all still offer these contracts. So you have to be in a position to know that there's going to be times when somebody else is going to do something a little bit better where you're going to have to renegotiate with your current quarterback. That's just the nature of the game. Um, the, the question is really, are you really going to need renegotiate or are you going to do something different? So you can't worry about what other teams are doing. You just got to make sure that you do what's best to keep your team on a successful path and do what's necessary to that. If it's to a point where you have to pay somebody or renegotiate a contract, you have to do what you have to do. It's just a part of business. And I'm pretty sure that all these owners, when they have their owners meetings, they are all in compliance saying that, you know, we do what we need to do so that our team is successful. 
And I know they talk, they go around talking about these contracts and the players that they have or where they stood or if my player, you know, my team made it to the Super Bowl or whatever the case may be, made it to the playoffs. Owners is going to do whatever it takes so that they can get to the point of being successful, making the playoffs, making a playoff push, and hopefully get going to the Super Bowl. That's what every owner is looking to do. And if it means doing what's necessary as renegotiating a contract or trying to keep your your team and your players happy, you do what is necessary as part of your business. Bottom line. I mean, bottom line, what did Kansas City have to do? Look what they just did. <laughs> they couldn't pay the cheetah. They recognized they couldn't pay him what he needed to pay him. So what they do? They flipped his ass and got, them, got some first round draft picks for it. Yep. And they they identify speed. And what the heck did they go out there and do? They went out there and signed Juju to a one year contract. Juju is on a proven contract. And then they went ahead and signed. I forget the other uh, wide receiver that they picked up on a cheap three year thirty some odd million. Who? Stanley. Yeah, from Green Bay. Speed. And then what they're going to turn around and do? They're going to go out there and draft a fast-ass wide receiver in the first round. <laughs> and if neither Scantlin or Juju pan out, they just broke them off with a couple $10 million contracts, let them go, and then they're going to put this new kid on, on this rookie-scale contract. Part of the business. Exactly. So if you know you got your QB and you know you got a good one, pay the man. That's 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 all you could do. You, you you think about everything else after the fact. Hmm. Hey, look, I always thought that the NFL um, NFL player are the ones that at the at, at the very minimum deserve you know guaranteed contracts. They play the most popular sport and the most violent sport um, with a very sh- with a very uh, short shelf life depending on what position you play. Mm-hmm. And at any given time on any given play. You could you could end your career or or severely you know injure yourself. So mm-hmm. so Deshaun Jackson, I mean you know, what? hey, they gave you the money. I would have took it too. Um, you know, notwithstanding all the other issues that he got, you know, I'm pretty sure all these other quarterbacks like you know Lamar Jackson probably looking like woo. <laughs> he like woo. And and what go but go but go get it. And what are they gonna do? Just like when. Um... The wide receiver from Green Bay went to L.A. And he signed the richest contract for a wide receiver. And now when the Cheetah went to Miami, what did he do? He became the richest. And why? Because they extended it by one year and gave him more money. So what's going to have to happen here? Lamar Jackson is probably going to become the richest quarterback in the league by a year or two or more money. And they'll figure out some way they could terminate his damn contract if he's bad or something like that. They'll figure out how to manipulate the, uh, uh, manipulate the system so that they can maximize what they can get. And the contract seems really crazy. Just like when Cap signed that $100 million contract years ago. And everybody was like, oh, my God, Cap made $100 million. But the shit was like, but yeah, we can cut you after one season. <laughs> <laughs> and what's crazy about it is, is that it's not like this is new. This is not like it's like a new fad that's going around. You already know that whatever of wide receiver, there's a couple of lists of top wide receivers, a couple of lists of top quarterbacks that are free agents or going to be free agents every year. So you know for a fact that there's going to be a wide receiver that is going to get paid more money than the second wide receiver or the third wide receiver to the point where 
if they're getting that money, you know that the players, the players on your team is going to look at you and be like, yeah, I think I deserve a little bit more than what they just gave my man. So this is not like this is something new. This is a part of business. And they have to prepare as though that every position, there's going to be somebody that's going to complain or somebody on their, on your team that's going to say, hey, look, this guy over there on another team got this X amount of money. What are we going to do? Like, that should be a given. Like, and the owners gets upset because they feel as though that, oh, y'all should be happy with what the contracts think. No, that's not how it is. That's just how the nature of the NFL is, works and contracts work. Always going to be somebody looking on the other side, seeing what the other person is doing and what money and how much money they're getting paid. And they're going to look at it as though if they're getting paid this money, I want to get paid this amount of money or at least more than that. I'm with you. I'm like, look, to all the NFL players out there, whatever position you play, if you can get three, four, five years, all your money guaranteed, get your bread now. I mean, and like you said, Ace, you know, yes, uh, Kirk Cousins started it or at least kind of put the, the, the blueprint. But I think after this thing, it, it's it's going to snowball to a point where you might see more guarantee for all your years. You know, no prorated front end, back end. If it's 230 or, or I believe Lamar Jackson might get 250 guaranteed over five years, then get it because you know what's going to happen. And this collective bargaining agreement, it's going to be a lockout because the owners ain't going to stand for this too much. <laughs> I, think, I think Lamar will probably get like 234. I don't think they're going to go much much higher than 235. Not at all. Because um, was because Allen from Buffalo got his contract, right? Yeah, he got paid. Yeah, he got paid. Um, He got his extension last year. Right. But he can re up in a he can re up in a couple of years. That's fine. I think I, I think Baltimore is going to say okay. We're going to have to do what we need to do. We're going to do six years, two thirty. However, they're going to make it so it makes it so that he gets a million or two two million dollars more than Deshaun Watson. That's all they're going to do. All they're going to do until Herbert and Burrow or somebody comes along. Well, you know Burrow is looking like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And oh, the, funny thing, yeah. the funny thing about it is this kind of contract is what people anticipated. Patrick Mahomes is probably going to get, um, you know, you know when he um, when he signed his extension, they thought something like this was going to be what he was going to get. Shit. But he took the but he took the ten year, five hundred, which is really four fifty or four, you know, forty nine. But he got all his bread stretched out longer. Yeah. They thought he was going to get. And that's all the quarterbacks was like, you should have got this. So that way, that sets the that sets the mark for a short amount of time, making about as much money as you can get. And I, I and I think that maybe at halfway down, halfway through his his contract, if Kansas City is still producing at the high level that they're producing, I'm sure they're going to renegotiate their contract. Or if you win yeah. another MVP in the Super Bowl, woo! Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, all right, guys. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Lamar Jackson and the next up and comers over the next year or two. So we'll see how the money rolls. Um, and always last but not least, uh, we turn our attention to the saga that is Thomas 
Edward Patrick Brady, who decided to return to the New England Patriots, uh, I mean, excuse me, New England Patriots, to the Tampa Buccaneers. And not soon after that, Bruce Arians um, says he's going to just give up coaching and then he's going to take a job up in the front office, become a special advisor, and Todd Bowles is going to become the new head coach. And he said he's doing this on his own. Do you guys believe that? Bullshit. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it, it wouldn't have. Why would I believe that, knowing that Tom Brady was trying to force his way out of Tampa Bay to go to San Francisco? Rumors. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Sounds a little. Sounds a little suspect to me. Tom Brady was not trying to go to San Francisco. Hey. <laughs> can, can, can you can can you let me just live the you know non Jimmy G life for just uh, just a moment? <laughs> no, no, I am not going to let you go. No, you are stuck with him. I, I need you to understand that. Accept the fact. I've been saying this all see all through. You're stuck with him. Let it go. Accept it. I may be a 49er fan. I may even have to sit here and watch him play. But I'd be damned if I'm stuck with his ass. <laughs> Skittles is going nowhere. You're not getting no Skittles for this guy. <laughs> no. Back of peanuts. You can scratch that. Oh, man. No, no, man. No. <laughs> No, but I, I, I digress. No, um, it, at this point, I'm not even sure. We'll, I will say this about Tom Brady. Probably this shows that he is going to be that type of person where he'll try to continue to play another three, four, or five years. Um, have multiple injuries, but still will try to come back. And I don't wish harm on anybody, but he's so undecisive because he loves the game so much. So I'm not going to knock that. I think he was being forced to retirement, I guess, in his opinion, one of the reasons why he came back. I think that overall, Bruce Aries is just, it's a good move for him. It's a smart move for him, even though he may not want it. Um, I think that this works for him in a way of he can control the things on the back end without having to deal with Tom Brady for the most part. And I think it could be a win-win situation for Tampa Bay overall. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, Win-win for him? Yeah. I I cry bullshit. that um, Bruce Arians um, decided to become a special advisor and go to the front office on his own volition. I'm pretty sure Tom Brady, once he realized he, he couldn't get back to San Fran, because I agree with you, Ace. I think he was trying to get over to San Fran, but San, but San Fran gave up too much to get Trey Lance, so they couldn't in good faith just bring in Tom Brady when they're trying to find a way to get Jimmy G out the front door, but that shoulder injury is uh, has everything snagged. So, uh so 
he came, I mean, there was always rumors and reports that him and Bruce Arians had a little bit of strife the first year, um, but they did win the Super Bowl. Um, and then you kind of heard the things kind of tampered down, but I don't always think it was a good, you know, happy-go-lucky relationship. Um, but, you know, Tom Brady is the one that got them their Super Bowl. Um, so they're going to listen to Tom Brady. And I'm pretty sure Tom Brady said, I'll come back, but Bruce Arians can't be the coach. Yep. And I think Ted Bay didn't want to let Bruce Arians go. And Bruce Arians probably said, well, I don't want to be the coach if he's going to come back. So they found a nice way of putting them in the front office in the advisory role. I'll even be surprised if he's even allowed on the, on the field for practices. Or if he is, he's probably not going to have that much, you know, input. So, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe um, Tom Brady didn't have anything, but I, I I call bullshit on that. I think, I mean, it's awesome that Todd Bowles got the head coaching job. Yes, you know, let's let's not take that. Yeah. Let's not you know take that away. Well deserved. I think when he was the Jets head coach, they gave up on him a little too easily. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, like he said in the interview on ESPN, it was just he tried to do too much and really not understand the nuances of how to be the head coach. He took his lumps. They didn't want to stick with him. Got under Arians. And now I think he's primed to show that he is, he's an elite head coach in the NFL. And Knowing now you got a head coach and then you have an offensive coordinator and uh, Byron Leftwich over there, along with uh, countless of other good coaches. And now they still have to go out there and find a defensive coordinator, which I think they probably hire within and bring in somebody else to be some sort of lower level coordinator or position coach um, for Tampa Bay. But I think what you're saying, E, is correct. I It wouldn't shock me if he's on the field. I think he might be in one of those – he might be in one of those little devices or something that kind of has him standing over the field, but he's not in the press box looking down. I think he's in one of those uh, – I forget what you call them. Not the press box, but it's like a, a scaffold where, you know, there's seating, it's covered. Oh, yeah. He can see everything kind of close up. And I think he's there to offer input and say, you know, I'm not running the team, but I think you could do X, Y, Z. I'm hoping that's not the case because I don't want to see Todd Bowles being used as a puppet. But I just can't see Arians just letting go so quickly and like, whatever. I'm just going to go in the front office and act like I don't exist or act like I didn't have anything to do with the success that came once, you know, where, you know when we won the Super Bowl. Yeah, with you. Um, we'll see. I mean, it, 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 it's it's they say it's um top of Bay for a reason because of Tom Brady. So <laughs> I'm still mad you use this full government name. <laughs> I hear this so much on um undisputed with Skip Bayless. <laughs> use this full government name, like he's sitting there, like come on down. <laughs> but um. Yeah, you know, we got to tip our hat to Todd Bowles. You know, you know, he, you know, he's getting a second bite at the apple. I think this will be a lot better situation um, than the Jets. I mean, hell, he's already got better talent and the best quarterback that you can ever think of in Tom Brady there, you know, albeit, you know, on the, on the, you know, other side of 40 something. But um, I hope he does well. 
I hope he wins a championship. Not with Tom Brady at the quarterback, but I would I would like to see Todd Bowles get a, get a chip. And um, hopefully, if they do well, this might be, you know, the springboard for Brian Leftwich because I think Brian Leftwich definitely deserves, you know, to get the chair pulled to become a head coach somewhere, and not just anywhere where the team sucks, but yeah. going to a team where you have the right management and you have the right facilities, you have the right, you know people in place to be able to help you succeed, not just some of these teams like a Detroit or the Jets or even the Giants, you know, I'll put them in there where, you know, there's so much dysfunction going on that you don't allow a good coach to come in there and thrive. So, you know, like I said, hopefully we'll see Brian Leftwich with opportunity, you know, in the next, you know, with the next season or two with another squad. Can I, can I ask one question real quick? So the whole big thing was, was it always Tom Brady's squad in New England or was it Coach Belichick? Now, we switch gears. Was it Tom Brady's squad or was it Bruce Arians? Now, with Todd Bowles coming into place and say Tampa wins another Super Bowl, are we willing to admit it's Tom Brady more so than the coach himself? Because he would have now won a Super Bowl with three different head coaches. No. No. I can't give it to him. Sorry. Is it and I'm not saying it because of who he is. It's more so because <clears throat> like it would be more of a team thing to me. Um I to be honest, I kinda I'm not saying let's don't, don't get me wrong, Tom Brady is going to forever be one the greatest um NFL quarterback. With the amount of wins that he's gotten, the amount of rings, championships that he has. But it's always the fact that when he went, when the team wins, it's more him. When they don't win, it's more the team aspect of it. I think that overall, that if we're going to say this, I will say this, though. He definitely is probably helped the team win. But I think that it's more so from a team aspect because the defense had to play their part, too, no matter what. Um, so I'm not going to say that overall that it was Tom winning, but more so the team as a overall doing what was necessary to win. Because the team don't get enough credit sometimes. Yeah, I agree. And and I'll, I'll kind of defer slightly. I would say I agree with you, Al, more so in New England because – in New England, Tom Brady had no say so. I mean, yeah, he got his six championships, and in but he wasn't a GM. He didn't he didn't pick the groceries. You know, no matter what you can say about Bill Belichick, he assembled the team, drafted the you know drafted the players, and he put the pieces around him that he can utilize to win. Because Tom Brady didn't you know pick one person. Now he gets Tampa Bay. He brings he brings back in Gronk. He you know vouches for AB, and you know he might have a little more say so with the offense. So New England, no, I wouldn't say it was all him. Now Tampa Bay, maybe fifteen more percent, but not the whole thing. Like I'll say, it's a team sport. So, but I'll say he had a little bit more hand in the success in Tampa than he did in New England when he was just basically just throw the ball and Bill Belichick. Picked all the players around him. 
Yeah. Okay, because you know, until you till you clean that up a little bit, Earl, I was gonna sit there and say, well, Jameis Winston pretty much had the same team around him. And they were eight and eight or or eight or or nine and six squad or something like that, nine and seven squad, you know, and Tom Brady accounted for three or four more wins because he didn't throw 27 more interceptions. So, yeah. Yeah, that was the, that was the offense that Bruce Arians liked to run, and that was the offense after that, um, you know, when they had the bye week when they lost to um, Kansas City, which Tom Brady was able to get Bruce Arians to change, where he was more short and immediate routes, and then if the long ball presented itself, then he would throw it. But when he first got there, he was doing all the plays that James Winston did, and he was throwing some picks, and they weren't looking good. And he went back and said, nah. <laughs> no, this is how we're going to run, and this is how we're successful in New England. And we saw what happened after that. Agreed. All right, fellas, it is definitely on our time. Um, it is 1020. Um, but real quick, since everybody's talking about it, and I don't want to spend not more than a couple of minutes on it, Oscars, Will Smith, Chris Rock, what do you think? I'm so over it right now. It's not even. That's why I said I don't want to spend no more than a few minutes yeah. on it. I'm not. I, to be honest, at this point, I'm moved past it. Congratulations to Samuel L. Jackson. I'll go that route um, for winning an Oscar. Um, the great. I love the scene between him and um, Denzel Washington. Uh, so kudos to Samuel L. Jackson. And Quest Love. Shout out to Quest Love as well. I just laugh at the memes. I could care less. About that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Men in Black Soul Train line just had me in tears. I just kept watching that over and over again. That was, that's some funny shit right there. I, just, I might actually get off just, I might get off our call and watch that again just to get a laugh out of it. I'm thinking about that too. <laughs> you know, the double smack. <laughs> I was like, damn. That's when you know Jokers has got way too much time on their hands to put shit like this together. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree with you. You know, you know, big ups to Samuel Jackson, even though I think I didn't see that 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 presentation. Um, big ups to Quest Love. Um Big Ups to big Chris. Ups to, huh? Big up to Chris Rock, man, for standing up there, taking it like a man, went on, said what he had to say, went on and did the show. And I hope that behind the scenes that they were able to squash whatever situation that was. But I don't think it's over by no set of, no stretch of the imagination, but that's that's all I'm saying. Yeah. And we'll find a big up to... Uh, uh, uh. Tawanda Sykes, Amy Schumer, and um, Regina Hall, who actually did a fabulous job, um, in my opinion, of hosting, the, of hosting the Oscars, and I thought they were pretty good. Overall, I thought the show was pretty good. You know, I thought the memoriam was a little bit too... That wasn't the right crowd to have a kind of a celebrational thing. I don't think, I think a lot of white people didn't get that. I got that. You guys get that. They don't get that. Um, you know, I give props to Wolfpack for trying to do something different for the in memoriam sequence, but 
sometimes you got to know your audience and yeah, they, that wasn't a Baptist church audience for that stuff. So, but, um, but, um, yeah, I hope this thing is, gets resolved sooner than later and we'll, and we'll, and we'll all move on. <laughs> and that note, guys, um, tell them where they can find you at. Oh, it's getting warm outside. You're going to find me on somewhere, but more likely you probably find me on Twitter at CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. And you can find me on Snapchat, the gram, and Twitter. I'm JE Ross, the number seven. And as always, we want to thank you guys for all subscribing, listening out. You know, we're all on all the streaming platforms. So check us out. And uh, if you have any questions, I don't think we had any questions today. But um, please feel free and we'll speak to you guys next week. As always, love, peace, and soul. Keep your hands to yourself.